Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Amen. When I was a child, the church choir I sang would go on a vacation together. I'm not sure if that sounds like a dream or a nightmare, but for me it was a wonderful tradition. For about a week, around 50 of us would stay in a converted cottage in the Brecon Beacons, a small area of the Welsh hills. There was a zip line over a bubbling brook, a place to make small dams, a gym gym where we would play endless games of soccer, and an ever-so-awkward disco on the last night. (laughs) I loved it all, but most of all, I loved the hikes. I've discovered in life that there's really nothing like a hike to help a group of people really get to know one another. Individuals whom I'd previously thought of as strong and stirring singers were actually rather feeble on the hiking trail. And that kid in the treble line who couldn't really hit a note square in its center during choir rehearsal had legs that never, ever seemed to tire. Our ramblings over the wild Welsh countryside taught us plenty about each other. Most years, because it was Wales, it rained. In fact, I doubt there has ever been a trip that I have taken in my life to the country of Wales when it hasn't rained. It must be part of a national strategy for keeping the English out. (laughs) One particular year, however, it didn't rain. It snowed a lot. Invariably, at some point on the hikes, we would take a very English, polite yet pointed power struggle would ensue between the various adult leaders in the group as to who should be in charge of navigation. As kids, none of us really paid much attention to all of that. We were happy to be oblivious to any other decision-making as long as we could still push each other down the sloping paths as we went. This year, however, in the snow with deteriorating visibility, things felt different. It soon became clear that what had begun as a gentle stroll across the grasses and mud-spattered paths of the Brecon Beacons was turning into a long march in the wilderness. After a couple of trips around the same hill, the group leaders began to openly argue with one another about where to go next. It was unnerving to see them concerned that the light was fading. I have no idea how long we were really lost out there, but in the mind of a child, our odyssey through the wilds of rural Wales seemed to have lasted for hours, maybe even days. And although I don't actually remember how we found our way back, I do remember what warmth felt like when we returned to the cottage, how good it was to see light again, to be among the familiar to be home. This is a season for coming home. Out of the darkness, the unknowing, the barely visible path before us. 
This turn in the church's year Advent is our opportunity to reset our compasses, to find our way again as we wait and watch for the coming of God into the world. Yet the theological truth of our search for home, our journeying to find our way back to the love that made us in the first place is that we cannot make our way home by ourselves. We cannot make our way into the harbor without the light to guide us. Left to our own devices, we get lost. This is what our readings this morning are fundamentally about. Isaiah's prophetic voice from ancient times foretelling the tearing apart of the heavens and the quaking of the mountains, the boiling water and the kindled fire are all an attempt to invite his fellow Israelites to ask their foundational question, where are you from? As with much of the prophetic literature in the Bible, Isaiah is wanting the people to remember their origins that the creator of the heavens and the earth is also the creator of them, the potter to their clay. Return, go back, be whole, is the biblical cry to God's people. Come home. Yet the journey home cannot begin. Indeed, we will never even notice that we are lost in the first place unless and until we open our eyes. It is in many ways what the church has to offer the world, not only as we begin this new year in the first Sunday of Advent, but every Sunday. Open your eyes. Take a look at the world around you and how your life works within it. Pay attention to who and whose you are. In Mark's gospel rhetoric, wake up. And keep awake. It is hard, though, is it not, to pay attention to what really matters when there is so much else going on around us. One of Advent's great challenges as a season of the church year is that it gets crowded out by Christmas. Jesus is already here, whether you are ready for him or not. Doesn't matter if you haven't hauled your tree back home from the parking lot or strung the lights across the front of your house. The baby in the manger has been ensconced at Target for at least a month. <laughs> in fact, we might even be tempted to ponder why it is that we bother with Advent at all. Why don't we just go Christmas caroling at the mall on Black Friday and call it a day until December 24th? The trite answer is that we need Advent because Episcopalians like to keep things in order. Yet the more pressing need that Advent meets is the fact that on our collective rush to the stable and the shepherds, the angels and the infant king, we bump into another Jesus, one not so meek and mild. Advent is intended to be a season when we are drawn up short, faced not with the babe in the manger, but with the Alpha and the Omega, the God in Christ who comes to help us see ourselves for who we truly are, Jesus, the judge, the Son of Man, is the Jesus of Advent. 
the apocalyptic cosmic Christ whose second coming is a theological riff not intended to incline us to the life to come or the end of everything but to this life and what we are doing with it. Advent is meant to be the season of our honesty. Who do you see in the face of the one who comes to be our judge? Such questions should not scare us away, causing us to run back to the endless push to consume the birth of Jesus before the scene has ever been set. For to be honest before God is not to seek our condemnation, but our hope. The Son of Man, the Jesus we have to confront on our way to the Christ child in the manger, is the one whose honesty will bring us home, a light that shows us to ourselves for who we truly are. The friend we know when our games are pretending we are something that we are not, are given up. God comes in Jesus so that we can learn to see what the world looks like lit up. Only then can we find our way. Without the light, we will just end up tripping over one another in the darkness. Here then is the Advent invitation. See yourself in Jesus. It's an invitation that is timely in our life as a nation, of course. Honesty is something that many a man in public life these days would do well to take up. For perhaps the most remarkable thing about the revelations of sexual misconduct that are practically a daily occurrence has been the almost complete absence of honesty on display on the part of the accused. Where is the man who has had the courage to step forward and say, me too, I also am guilty of wrongdoing? See yourself. Come to know who and whose you are. Wake up and begin to live. This Sunday's apocalyptic visions, next Sunday's John the Baptist, the crying out in the wilderness. It's the church's year version of shock and awe, ecclesiastical smelling salts intended to wake us up to the divine that has been surrounding us all along. So my dear saints of God, I invite you to seize the moment apparent in your own life. And take up whatever the opportunity for honesty to God and to one another that is being extended to you. There is light on the way home. Follow it and live. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in.